Good morning, everybody. Welcome and thank you so much for tuning in. We're glad you joined us this morning on the South Coast Community Church Sunday service live stream. My name is Jamie Casey. I'm the associate pastor here, and I'm filling in for Pastor Brian Doobie as he is attending his daughter's uh, graduation from Fairhaven High School. Uh, yeah, awesome, right? We, uh, we're really excited. We're proud of you, Amelia. Um, and, you know, she's actually uh, gets, uh, gets to give a little speech because of all of her academic um, success. And so as she sings on our worship team, uh, we love Amelia. And congratulations to Tiago, our drummer here, who also just graduated from New Bedford High School. And uh, all of the other graduates and, and families who are watching, we're, we're uh, in different times, uh, but we're making the best of it, and so we're celebrating, and we're, we're trying to do what we can. So um, we have Wednesday night services at 6.30 p.m. We, uh, we do a live stream uh, um, from the Facebook page as well. I usually just do a quick 15 to 20-minute message um, every, every Wednesday at 6.30 and then we have our group following. If anybody's interested in the Zoom group, uh, it's a deeper Bible study. We're in the book of Romans. That's at 7 p.m. And uh, if, you, if you're interested, please reach out to me. We'd love to get you involved. Um, we are moving to in-person services, finally. Um, but we are, we're excited, obviously. We, we miss you guys like crazy. Um, and, and we're chomping at the bit to just get together, worship together, and, and hug one another. Um, the, the, the only catch is, is that there are a bunch of guidelines we have to follow. So we want to make sure that we're obedient and that we're uh, following the law to the letter of the law. And also, um, you know, making sure that we respect the space that we're using. So um, there is a limit as to how many people that can join, uh, can join us per service. And right now we're full. We've already had uh, uh, the 60 people that were allowed in this space um, sign up for next week, June 7th. But if you're still interested and you really want to come and you haven't sent an email to Kathy, myself, or Brian yet, there's still time to do that. And if we get enough interest, what we'll do is, is we'll have a second service at 9 a.m. So we'll have a 9 and a 10.30. So reach out to us. You can email brian at sccc.org, jamie at sccc.org, or kathy at sccc.org. Either one of, any one of us, and we'll be happy to get you all set up. So um, I'm not going to go into any more announcements today. What I'm going to do is, is we're just going to pray and we're going to open up and worship today and we're just going to praise the Lord. So wherever you are right now, um, you're sitting in a car, you're at the beach, you're on your couch, you're in your bed, you have this privilege, we have this opportunity through technology to worship with us this morning. We don't need a building necessarily to worship God, Amen. Because God is, is omnipresent. He's here with us. Yes, it's great to come together, but because of the circumstances, we make the best of it. So I'm going to ask you right now, just surrender yourself to this time of worship. Just allow yourself to worship. Whatever it is that you got going on around, you might have to do some cleaning today or, or have a few other chores or laundry or whatever it is. Just put it on hold. For the next hour or so, just immerse yourself in the worship and the word of God. Allow yourself to, to be taken in by what the, 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 the lyrics of these songs and the words uh, from the message and just press into Jesus this morning. Amen? So let's bow. Let's pray. Father, you're, you're just so good. We're so grateful, Lord, 
to just be here this morning, to be alive. There's so much going on in this world right now, and, and Lord, there, there's so much chaos. But you, God, right in the, in the midst of that storm, in the eye of the hurricane, there is peace in your presence. So, Father, I'm asking, us, I'm asking you now to, to reach us and meet us wherever we're at. Some of us are hurting and struggling. Mental health might be an issue. Finances. It might be relationship problems and work problems and problems with our kids and our homes and our lives in general. And, and God, all that stuff matters to some degree. But what matters most is, is that we're centered on you. So meet us here, God. Meet the broken. Meet the hurting. Lord, meet those of us who are feeling great today. Remind us of how good you are, Lord, right now. Remind us of how important it is that we connect with you in worship, in spirit, and in truth. Father, give us that desire now. Give us that sense of peace and comfort and healing in your presence. Have your way now in the songs, every lyric, every word spoken, Lord. I pray that it would point to you, God, that it would bring someone closer to you this morning. Father, that your message today, God, would change eternities would bring people into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and what he's done for us. So Lord, go before us all now. Do what only you can do, God. Radically transform our lives right here, right now, through worship, and through your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. I'm just as excited as you are to start normal church services or what we were used to, um, but I just want to encourage everyone to, if this is the last time, hopefully it's the last time that we'll be watching from home, just take advantage of this time. God was working in all this mess, and I don't know about you, but I definitely feel a difference. There's something different. He's working. He's still working. He's growing things, and just take advantage of this last week that we have to, to uh, be accountable. We're always accountable, but this is a different thing. And so I ask that uh, as you are at home, stand, worship your king, thank him for next week, uh, things becoming a little bit more normal. He has done great things, and he will continue to do great things. I know that this week especially there's a lot of suffering and a lot of discord going on, but I just want to go through these songs and remember that our God is above it all. He is greater than all of it. He will do great things. He has done great things. And in these times, we need to remember that he is above it all. Amen. worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. Hallelujah. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. Praise you, God. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. 
You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the light. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. Worship him where you are. Praise you, God. And I know you will do it again. For your promise is yes and amen. You will do great things. Oh, God, you do great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the light. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. Praise you. Above it all, hallelujah, God, unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things, you've done great things, praise you, God, hallelujah, God, above it all, hallelujah, God, unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things. Done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the light. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God. Have done great things, oh hero of heaven, you conquered the grave, you free every captive and break every chain, oh God, you have done great things, we dance in your freedoms, awaken the life, oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. You have done great things. God, you do great things. Praise him, church. Give him glory. Lift up a clap offering. Raise your voice. Raise your hands. Sometimes I think that we, uh, we forget exactly where we've come from, where he brought us from. I 
think that the comfort he offers us, sometimes we take advantage and we forget the reverence and the gratitude with which we should come to the cross. And this song is just a reminder how overwhelming God is. We praise you, Lord. I see the works of your hands, a galaxy spinning, a heavenly dance. Oh God, all that you are is so overwhelming. Praise you, Lord. I hear the sound of your voice. All at once, it's a gentle and thundering noise. Oh, God, all that you are is so overwhelming. Praise you. I delight myself in you, captivated by your beauty. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by you, hallelujah, God, I run into your arms, unashamed because of mercy, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed by you, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. power of your cross, forgiven and free, forever you'll be my God, all that you've done is so overwhelming, hallelujah, I delight myself in you, in the glory of your presence, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by you, God. God, I run into your arms unashamed because of mercy. I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed by you. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. Oh God, there is no one more beautiful. You are beautiful. God, you are the most beautiful. You're wonderful. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. Oh God, there is no one more wonderful. You are wonderful. God, you are the most wonderful. And you're glorious. You are glorious. You are glorious. Oh God, there is no one more glorious. 
glorious. God, you are the most glorious. I delight myself in you, in the glory of your presence. I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed by Praise you, God, in this place. God, wherever we are, God, we lift you up, that we can come to you unashamed because of your mercy. God, we just are just so grateful. God, that we are a people that have to try not to eat, God, that we have so much provision, God, that we have roofs over our heads, God, clothes on our back, God, that we have enough to give, God. Forgive us when we don't. Lord, we ask today that we learn like the title of this message says, to be the kind of neighbor that you say is good. Not what this world says is good, not what we think is good, but somebody that you say is going to be called a righteous God. Under your blood, under your power, God, we ask that we sit here at your feet and we just learn from you. And God, that you give us that strength, God, to go forth and do what you wish us to do. Lord, we ask a blessing over Pastor Jamie, God, that God, you know his prayers, that he get out of the way, God, that he is able to convey what you want him to say, God. And we ask that you just instill him with your power now, God. Open our hearts, open our eyes to the spiritual realm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. Uh, great job. Great job with the music today. And, and I'm sure you at home were blessed as, as I was. <coughs> so as I said in the announcement uh, portion that uh, Pastor Brian is, is, is at his daughter's graduation right now from Fairhaven High School, so that means he's crying over there this morning instead over here, and so I'll be filling in. And so, um, you know, all, all week, there, you know, if you've got a pulse and you're awake, um, you, you've seen what's been going on in this country. There's, there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of unrest. Uh, we have uh, protests and riots going on, and, and you know there was a um, there was a pretty tragic event that happened earlier in the week where uh, a man named George Floyd was was killed uh, by a police officer in public in broad daylight and on film. And so throughout the week, um, I. I you know, watching some of this stuff, and I try to stay away from the media as much as I can, to be honest with you, because of the, the narratives and the agendas, but, but some of it is necessary, you know, some of it we, we need to stay connected to some, to some degree, and, and all I kept thinking about was 
Who's Jesus in all of this? Which led me to the second question, well, who am I as a follower in Jesus in all of this? And so it stirred some things in me, it convicted me, because as I know that there is, and we all know that there is sort of a, an existing racism that, that, that is, uh, continues to be a problem in our country. And I think, you know, I, I, for years I've been a, an ally, obviously, but mostly silent one. And, uh, and I thought, you know, is that right? And so I, you know, kind of had petitioned my friends of color and said, you know, what can I do better? How can we do more? How can we be better advocates and supporters and friends and allies? And I've gotten some interesting responses. Helpful ones. And I just continue to pray that we as a nation, as a people, and especially as a church, continue to grow and to rise up in the face of injustice and hatred. Today I'm going to share a message titled, Love Your Neighbor. And the portion of scripture that I'm going to use comes out of Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And many of you are familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. I want to talk about the importance of loving our neighbor. Jesus himself says that all the laws and the prophets hang on what we call the two greatest commandments. Love God and love others. See, we typically accept and pursue the loving God piece, but when it comes to loving others, we're a lot like the religious people I'm going to talk about today in our main text. We judge people by appearance, situation, lifestyle, etc. We often serve out of convenience and only use our voices when injustice or suffering affects us directly. We only love when it's easy. We forget that this isn't a suggestion or even a choice that Jesus gives us. Or maybe we don't forget as much as we can conveniently ignore. So if we look at the scriptures, we'll see that Jesus loved and had compassion for all who were suffering, all who were oppressed, and all who were hurting. He spent a lot of time healing and loving on these people, meeting their basic needs, and even breaking religious law in doing so at times. He met people where they were at when they needed it. Jesus cared about people's present sufferings, and we need to do the same, not just in word or intention, but also in deed. So I'm going to read this story to you, and if you're there with your Bible, again, it's Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, Jesus saying, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. In this response in verse 29, he says, but wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road. 
And when he saw him, he passed to the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed to the other side. But a Samaritan, who was on a journey, he came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion, and he came to him. And he bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii, he gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I'll repay you. Which of these, these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hand? And the religious lawyer, the expert on the law, said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. This lawyer is asking Jesus two questions. It says he tested Jesus and then he tried to justify himself. First he asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers that first question with a question. He says, well, what does the law say? It says this man was a lawyer, an expert in the Mosaic law, so he answers quickly and correctly with scriptural references. He says, love God with all your heart, which comes out of Deuteronomy 6.4, and then love your neighbor as yourself, which is also written in Leviticus 19, verse 18. See, people are held responsible for what they know. This is why Jesus asks him instead of just giving him the answer, because he knows this man knows the answer. Jesus basically holds a mirror up to this religious man's life. Forces him to speak the words that he knows to be true. He, he shows him that through his own law, he's missing the mark. And he does it without making a single accusation. And this quickly turns this man's test question into a need to justify himself. Which brings the second question. Who is my neighbor? See, we often seek to justify ourselves, just like this lawyer. We dismiss someone as our neighbor if they don't meet our own criteria. If they've wronged us or someone we know. If they're difficult to love. If we've decided they're beyond hope. If they look or live differently from us or come from a different culture. Or if loving them publicly would compromise the image we've created for ourselves. See, sadly, the list goes on. We justify away and say things like, well, that's not how or where I'm gifted. Or let someone else love them. I don't think that that's justifiable in Jesus' eyes. So here's some things we need to know about the Samaritans. They were despised and hated by the Jews. In the Jewish mind, they were considered inferior, an, uh, an inferior mixed race, considered to be less than human. This means that the story Jesus shares here would have seemed impossible to a Jewish audience. Not necessarily the incidents in the story, but the facts, the details. And this is exactly why Jesus shared it. So I'm going to take a look a closer look at the three main players in this story to see what Jesus is showing, not only the religious man, but us as well. 
And I think a lot of times we remove ourselves from these stories or these rebukes or corrections or lessons that Jesus is showing the religious people because we look at ourselves as, well, I'm not a Pharisee. I'm not this guy in this story. But the reality is, is that we get just as caught up as they do in our religion and we forget exactly what it means to love God and to love others to the extent that we're called to. And so let's look at this. Let's really put ourselves here. Let's be transparent and vulnerable for a moment. Allow God to search our hearts and to bring us on this journey with the Samaritan. To show us exactly who we're supposed to be in all of these situations. You know, looking at the situation that's going on in the world. Who are we in the context of this culture now and the lives that we're living? So let's look at these three main players. The robbed, the religious... And the righteous. So first is the robbed. See, the road between Jerusalem and Jericho was very treacherous. And it was a downhill from Jerusalem to, Jer Jer uh, to Jericho. There were lots of places for robbers and thieves to hide. In fact, the name for the road was called the Way of Blood. So this is a very believable story as far as the, the, the incidents and the occurrences go. And although Jesus does not identify the man going down to Jericho, since this was a Jewish lawyer and audience, more, they more than likely imagined that it would be, and it's implied, that it is a Jewish man who was robbed. He was wounded, he was left for dead, and he needs help, and he's laying there on the side of the road alone. Hold that thought. Picture that in your mind. Put yourself in his shoes for a second. You're helpless. You're left for dead. And you're relying on the help of others. And you're praying and you're hoping that someone will show up. Now let's look at the religious. Here enters the, the priest and the Levite. Both are high up on the religious food chain in this culture. Right? They're teachers and supposed to be followers of the religious law. This is the same law that the lawyer barked back at Jesus when he was questioned. And it says they were going down the roads, so they most likely just came from the temple where they were worshiping. They just left church. It would be like us if we walked out of church and happened upon somebody in need. They had just gone to display their love for God. Here they happen upon a situation that requires now that they show their love for their neighbor. So they got the, the, the first part of these two greatest commands. They, they had worshipped God. They had gone there to show, you know, their religious worship. But now here's the second part where no one's watching. Love your neighbor. And what does it say that they do? They crossed to the other side of the road. They went away from this man in need. Not one, but two spiritual leaders in that community dropped the ball. These men were both caught up in loveless and lifeless religion that served the world absolutely no purpose. What they knew and claimed to believe had zero effect on how they lived. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Can you relate? Have you seen this? 
I think we all have to some degree. See, lots of times we claim to be a place and a people of love, acceptance, and healing, but in all reality, we often present ourselves as a people that believe they're morally superior. Morally superior to those who don't believe what we believe or see things the way we see them or live the way we live. We argue, we insult, and we debate about nonsensical and meaningless things. And just because the people we engage with aren't lying lifeless on the side of a road, we forget that they're dead or dying spiritually. And they are in need of a good Samaritan. Not a religious hypocrite. We cross to the other side of the road and we forget to love our neighbor as we're commanded. Not suggested, not requested, but commanded to do. We often let our religious position and our image get in the way of actually practicing what we preach and claim to stand for. With everything going on in the world right now, the pandemic, the racial tension, the riots, and the protests. There are a lot of hurting people. There are a lot of people laying on the side of the road. I'm going to ask you again at the end, but I want you to start considering now is, what do you do when you come across these people? Do you cross to the other side like these religious men did? Is your religion loveless and lifeless? So let's talk about the righteous. Here comes the filthy Samaritan. He doesn't fit into the religious mold. And that doesn't matter to him. He can still do what's right and he can love his neighbor. This inferior man does three important things that save the life of a dying man. Three things that were beneath the religious men who had already passed by. He shows compassion. He shows caring. And he's not afraid of the cost. So remember those three C's. Compassion, caring, and cost. First he shows compassion. So where the priest and the Levite crossed the street and moved away from this man in need, the Samaritan moved toward him. This is significant because we must move towards people in order to love them and build relationship. The Samaritan doesn't look to see if the man in need looks like him, has the same skin tone as him, the same beliefs of him, as him, or will even be grateful if he helps him. He simply does the right thing and loves him. Sometimes it's the last person we would expect who steps in and, and loves someone back to life. It's often someone who has suffered themselves, who can identify and can relate with being disregarded in their time of great need. Ironically, it's very possible that this man would not have stopped for the Samaritan if the roles were reversed. See, if we want to obey God and learn to love others as we're commanded, then we can't wait for people to come to us. 
we need to make the effort and go to them. We spend too much time in the comforts of our churches, in our homes, in our workplaces, all the shelters we've created that protect us from the realities of the outside world and the ugliness that this world offers. And because of that, people suffer. And we're all collectively to blame for that. We are. We may not see that, but I want you to think about this for a second, that if everybody did something, it would have such a great impact on this planet. That if everybody took it upon themselves to show compassion, that it would change the lives of so many. It would change their eternities. It would change outcomes. It would restore humanity. We need to start going to people. We need to start meeting them where they're at. Just like the Samaritan and just like Jesus did for us. So then he shows care. He takes care of his wounds. He throws them up on his donkey and he walks. I don't know how many of us would, would do the same. We might throw them in the back seat and keep on driving, maybe. And that's a tall order. But this guy gets off of his vehicle. And he throws this guy on top after he takes care of him. And he walks. And now he's going out of his way for this man he doesn't even know. Who would probably despise him under any other circumstance. So it's important that we realize that the Samaritan took the time. He invested himself. Lots of times we might throw a donation at something or, or make mention of our support or even outrage for something, but often it ends there. We need, when we truly are loving our neighbors, then it's going to take effort. We need to get involved. Time is our greatest resource, not money. Yet we don't see it that way. We put money before time all the time. We forget to be present. We forget that we're limited and we can never get it back. You can re-earn a buck, but you can't re-earn a minute. So when we invest that time, we're actively loving our neighbors. We're giving them our most valuable resource. We're not just throwing a buck at something. We're not just voicing our opinion. We're actually giving ourselves. We often justify our not getting involved more and actively loving others with things like busyness. We work too much. We focus too much on the repetitious routines that we've created for ourselves. We put other less important things before our obedience to God. And this most important command, as Jesus says, becomes secondary to our agendas. We put an American spin on our Christianity. We don't take the time to care, and because of that, as I said, people suffer. I remember reading a book, The Hole in the Gospel, by Richard Yearns and uh, Stearns, and I, I believe he uh, works... Um, He's a missionary, and I forget the name of it. It's, it's uh, World Vision. In the whole in the gospel, he says that people are suffering 
because you're not being obedient. And I got a little offended when I read that. But he made a good point. He said that God gives us gifts, resources, and abilities for that very reason, to meet people in their time of need, where they're at, so that way the world can see Jesus. We're supposed to shine our light. We're supposed to be ambassadors. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. And a lot of times what we do is, is we take these gifts and these abilities and our time and our resources and we hoard them and we keep them for ourselves and we give them sparingly at our own convenience. And people suffer because of that. And lastly, the Samaritan pays a cost. He put up his own money. He was generous with his wealth. And it's significant that we see this, that this man is helping a Jewish man in enemy territory. He's not in his own neighborhood. This is not an investment that's going to come back at him in a financial way. He's just simply doing what is right. And I think we forget that. We give out of convenience. We give God our, our, our last fruits instead of our first fruits. We forget that he gives us the jobs we have. We forget that he gives us the ability to earn a dollar. We forget that he is ordained and is sovereign and appoints all things. And yet when we finally get that paycheck, what's the first thing we do? I got to get this, I got to get that, I got to pay this, I got to pay that. And then whatever's left over, God gets that. The crumbs. And yet he's given us nothing but his best. He gave us everything in Jesus. He deserves our first fruits. And this man is not sparing any expense. He's out of his element, but he doesn't care. He goes to this man in enemy territory. He picks him up and he brings him to an inn. He nurses him. And this makes him pretty vulnerable, right? He's not with his people. He's with those people, those people who might not like him too much, who look down on him, who look at him as lowly. And vulnerability, though, is essential if we're going to love people. It's essential. You can't sincerely love someone unless you're completely vulnerable. Otherwise, you're not loving them. When we move to love people, there is risk involved. They may reject us. We might get hurt. But that can't be a reason for us to avoid it. That is exactly how this works. Look at what Jesus did. He was betrayed even by the people he walked with at that time. Who saw miracles. Who saw people raised from the dead. And the blind could see. The lame was healed. The leper. And you know what? They still abandoned him. And he still loved them. He still loved them. He didn't love them for the effect or for the result or the, the, the circumstance. He didn't love them for the thanks or to be loved back. He simply loved them because that is what we are created and commanded to do by the Father. Love him, love others, period. No disclaimers, no questions. So I want to read another quick story before I close. I want to, I want to read this to you in, in John chapter 4. And I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm just going to read the beginning because if I read the whole story, I'd have to preach on it. And, and you don't want me to do that. 
So this is John chapter 4. This is, this is uh, Jesus has just left Nicodemus. And, and uh, we hear where he says that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And now he's going to move. Because when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. It says, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were. He left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Remember that statement. He had to pass through Samaria, it says. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, about noon, hottest part of the day. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food, and therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, Ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So I just want you to think about this, this story for a second. It says in verse 4 that he had to pass through Samaria. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't have a choice. That's not what it's saying there. He had an agenda. That's different. He had a purpose. There was a reason. See, back then, the Jews didn't go through Samaria. As I told you, they looked at them as an inferior people. They were disgusted by them. So what they would do is, is they would take this 10-mile walk all the way around Samaria. They would add 10 miles to their journey out of spite and, and because of, of hatred and intolerance. They would avoid this neighborhood, if you will. But here it says, Jesus had to pass through Samaria. He had a reason. He had a mission. Because he wanted to love somebody. He makes himself vulnerable to someone in need. He moves toward them. He shows compassion and caring. And ironically, she's a Samaritan too. That woman's life was changed that day because Jesus went to her. Because he met her where she was at, in her sin, in her filth, because she was an adulteress. She was at the well during the middle of the day because she couldn't be there when other people were because she was criticized and because she was shamed. But Jesus met her there. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Are you avoiding Samaria today? Are you walking all the way around so you can remain clean, unbothered, so you don't have to love people the way we're called? So let's wrap this all up. Let's tie it all together. Let's go back for a second and look at that second question. And I don't mean the question itself, who is my neighbor, but the question behind the question. There's always a question behind the question. You know, it says he was trying to justify himself. But what he was asking was, is who and how much do I have to love? Who 
And how much do I have to love? Jesus makes the neighbor the subject. Jesus shows that love goes as far as it has to and loves whomever it needs to. The Samaritan lost time and money, but that didn't matter to him. What mattered was that he loved his neighbor, that he loved this man back to life. You see, embedded in love your neighbor is care about the suffering of your neighbor. Care about the oppression of your neighbor. Care about the sickness. Care about the hurt. Care about the loss. And care about anything that afflicts your neighbor. That is embedded in love your neighbor. It's not about your convenience or what you think they need, but what they actually need. And that's going to look different from person to person and circumstance to circumstance. And it's our job to learn that. It's our job to learn that. Because we can't love people well if we don't know how. So when we disregard the suffering of others, we not only prove our lack of love for them, but we also show our lack of love and obedience to God. God's not looking for religious people. And that's why Jesus used religious people in his story. He's looking for loving people. He doesn't care what you look like or where you come from. He wants you to love, period. Biblical love transcends boundaries of geography, race, religion, socioeconomic status, and convenience. We must love all people equally and love them well. So I leave you with this question to ask yourself, and I pray you dig deep to not only find, but act on the answer. How can you love people well in the context of your life right now and the time we're living in right now? That's on you. Amen. The next song that we're going to sing um, is called Come Alive, Dry Bones. And I hope that with everything we learned this morning, we understand that possibly our compassion has dried up. Our generosity may have dried up. And this song is a call to just the promise that God makes that he makes dead things alive. Dead hearts, dry bones, ashes come to life. God, that's our prayer for your, this morning, God. That you take those dry pieces of our of our lives, God, and you just bring water there, your living water, God. And that you make us live for you again. have walked and one by one 
whispered lies and led them off as slaves. But we know that you are God, yours is the victory. We know there is more to come that we may not yet see. With the faith you've given us, I step into the valley unafraid. Dry bones come alive, come alive. We call out to dead hearts, come alive, come alive. About all the ashes, let us see an army rise. As we call out to dry bones, come alive. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. God of endless mercies, God of unrelenting love, rescue every daughter, bring us back the wayward son, and by your spirit breathe upon them, show the world that you alone can save, you alone can save, we call aloud to drive Come alive, come alive. We call out to dead hearts. Come alive, come alive. About all the ashes, let us see an army rise. As we call out to dry bones, come alive. Praise you, hallelujah. It's our prayer today, God. Breath of God, now breathe, oh breath of God, breathe, breath of God, now breathe. Hear us, Lord, breathe, breath of God, now breathe, oh breath of God, breathe, breath of God, now breathe. Breathe, breath of God, now breathe. Oh, breath of God, breathe, oh, breath of God, now breathe. Breathe, oh, breath of God, now breathe. Oh, breath of God, breathe. Oh, breath of God, now breathe. As we call out to dry bones, come alive, come alive. Dead hearts come alive, come alive. About all the ashes, let us see an army rise. As we call out to dry bones, come alive. And we call out to dry bones, come alive. Hallelujah. Oh, come alive. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. God, you are worthy of all honor, all praise, all glory, God. Let us never be tempted to take any for ourselves, God, because only because of you 
can we be called anything that is close to good? Any righteousness, God, comes from you. Any goodness, God, comes from you. Lord, because it comes from you, Lord, let us remember that we have to share it. It is a command, God, that we love our neighbors. As Pastor said, it's not a suggestion. And God, everything we have from our health, God, to our time, to our money, God, all comes from you. Lord, let us do as James says, be doers of your word, God. Those who love you, obey you, God. Your word is full of instructions and how we need to give and give more and give with an open heart and give with your love and your mercy and your peace, God. Our kindness is a gift from you. God, let us learn to share it. Give more of ourselves so that you could fill us back up. There is no end to your supply, God. We ask that today we learn these truths, God, that we do your word, God, that we be your soldiers, God, and that we come alive in this particular thing, especially today, God. When this world needs your light so much, God, we just ask that you help us to shine it for you, God. We thank you, Jesus, for this time spent in your presence. There is nothing like your presence, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah.